0: Do what you're already doing. Go ahead and do what you've already been doing. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, lift up your voice as your hands are lifted. You may not have the strength to shout, but can you at least speak? You may not have the strength to keep on running, but can you do something for the Lord? Oh, just do something for the Lord. Don't give them a piece of your abundance. Give them everything you've got. get to the word when we need to but the word is ministering right now in demonstration in transformation somebody let the holy ghost just minister to you Just shout, yeah! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I've got a sermon that would require the mantle of Bishop Wright to preach it all tonight. I'd need at least two hours to get through. I told him, I said, shut the windows. Thankfully, we don't have any windows up here because I got a sermon so long that somebody's going to fall out the window tonight. I told Brother Farnell, I said, if you see anybody fall out the window and they die, you just go resurrect them in Jesus name and we're going to keep preaching. But I don't really know if I feel led to go down that road in that sermon. I really feel just a few pieces of revelation in the Holy Ghost that I feel specifically for this church for such a time as this. Somebody say, right now, not tomorrow, right now, right now, right now. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. The harvest is not coming. The harvest is right now. Revival is not coming. Don't ever say revival is coming again. Uh, I want somebody to to declare by faith revival is right now. Healing is not on the way. uh, Healing is right now. Right now. Right now. We're not waiting until everything settles down out there uh, because something is blowing up in here. Uh, The Holy Ghost is moving uh, in here uh, right uh, now. So let me just tell you what I feel to tell you in the Holy Ghost. You can try to sit down if you want to try just go ahead and try you can try it just may not last very long but there's a few pieces of revelation that I feel the Holy Ghost just wants to speak for a moment would you go to Psalm 66 verses 10 through 12 Psalm 66 10 through 12 is a revelation of pressure It is a scripture that reveals what the pressure is all about. Reveals the purpose of the pressure. It reveals who's responsible for the pressure. It says, for thou, O God, hast proved. That word is tested. Us. You have tested us. You have tried us. As silver is tried. Thou, who's thou? He's still talking about God, still talking to God. Thou broughtest us, us into the net. We were arrested in the net. We were captive in the net. Thou laidst affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through. Not around, not under, not over, through the fire and through the water. But God, he's still talking about God. But God brought us out into a wealthy place. That's revelation number one. We're going to try again. You may be seated. I want you to understand for just a moment the revelation of the pressure. The word revelation in the dictionary is defined as a surprising, a surprising and previously unknown fact, especially one that is made known in a dramatic way. We don't need God to dramatize it any more than he already has. It's been dramatic enough. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> it is a surprising and previously, previously unknown fact. One that's made known in a dramatic way. Pressure is defined as a physical force of stress, compression, squeezing, crushing, weight and heaviness. We have felt the pressure, and the church said, Amen. Amen. But there is a revelation in the pressure of what God is doing. You find another significant piece of revelation in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 through 4. Deuteronomy 8 and 2 through 4. Reading from the New King James, it says God is speaking to the Israelites and saying, You shall remember that the Lord, your God led you. He led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in. In your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. Watch this allowed you to what? Any good mom or dad doesn't go to their son or daughter before bed and say, good news tonight, we're going to let you go to bed hungry. We give you permission to starve. But God said, the revelation of pressure Is the fact that I allowed you to hunger. Why? I fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that men shall not live by bread alone. In other words, I let you hunger for you to understand that this world is not your home. This world is not your sustenance, your salvation, or your joy. This world is not your peace. This world is not what you need. It's not your provision. It's not your healing. This world is not what is for you. You cannot live by bread alone, but man lives by the word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Watch this revelation in verse 4. He said, your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. But notice what he already did say. He said, I let you hunger and I led you through the wilderness to reveal what was on the inside of you. He said, I took care of the outside, your clothes and your shoes, your foot. He said, I didn't let your foot swell. I didn't let your garments go out. I protected the outside because I ain't worried about that. I tested the inside. Because in order for me to find a vessel to go into the next dimension of the end time harvest, you've got to know the contents of the vessel. And the only way you can see the contents of the vessel is for me to put you in a tight place that squeezes you. Prophet the prophet Hosea in chapter 5, verse 15, he's speaking. In fact, God is speaking through him. And Hosea 5 15 says, In their affliction, they will seek me early. The word affliction in the Hebrew is defined as a tight place of distress. It's where we've been. In their tight place, in their pressure, they will seek me early. Why? Because it's a pressurized situation that causes you to get out of bed before the alarm and say, I can't even sleep. I got to seek the Lord while he may be found. I used to pray later in the day. In fact, I used to go a few days without praying at all, but in my tight place of pressure, I'm not even waiting for the alarm to go off. I'm getting up before the sunrise and I'm saying, this is the day the Lord has made. I can't go another day without praying. I can't go another day without seeking. I'm in a tight place. Somebody hear me. I'm in a situation of pressure. God, you have put me in a pressurized situation. I feel the weight. I feel the pressure. I feel the burden and I can't wait. I've got to pray and seek you in their affliction. It says they will seek him early. I don't like that word early. So I looked it up in the Hebrew. Unfortunately, it means early. However, it has a deeper meaning. And it says in the Hebrew definition of that word early, it says to diligently seek him early. Here's what my wife and I are seeing in our travels throughout the last 12 or 13 months. The church is in a tight place, and I didn't need the discerning of spirits to tell me that. We're in a tight place. Hello, somebody. I said we're in a tight place, but God has destined us for this time. We're in a tight place because a tight place, a pressurized situation, when you put a sponge into a tight place and it gets squeezed, it reveals the contents from within. And let's just get real for five seconds. Some of the things that have come to the surface haven't been worth bragging about. They haven't been too savory. What we have noticed is that in some cases, those who have been sensitively used in the gifts of the Spirit have gone silent. Because while they were being used in the gifts of the Spirit, they didn't walk with the one who gave the gifts of the Spirit. And this tight place has put them into a pressure situation that has revealed their true walk with God, which has been non-existent. Okay, you don't have to say amen, maybe just a head nod or something just to let, you let me know you're, you're right where the Lord is speaking tonight. But we've gone to some places where we have preached for years and to go back in the middle of this pressure to see that who we thought were strong saints of God would never think about backsliding. They're no longer there. People that used to sit beside us, used to pray with us in the altar, all of a sudden they're missing, they're missing an action. It's revealed the contents from within, but on the other side of the coin in the same situation of pressure, we have also seen saints who have never once been used of God, who thought they were nothing more than a pew warmer apostolic Pentecostal. They thought they were nothing more than just a follower, just a saint All of a sudden, the pressure squeezed out of them, anointing, giftings, callings, and purposes that they didn't realize were there, but were there the whole time. we're seeing new people now being used in tongues and interpretation we're seeing new people now and I don't mean new to the church I mean new people that have been in the church for a long time letting dust collect on their padded pew all of a sudden the pressure has squeezed something out of them that was there the whole time a gifting of the Holy Ghost that they never would have known was there if they hadn't gone through hell in high water and let the Holy Ghost pressure and squeeze that out of them in fact just a few months ago my brother Anthony Hansen is here the Rev he's a close friend of mine, his family's here they're from Portland uh, Portland, Oregon we preach for his dad, his dad pastors one of the greatest churches in the world Portland Pentecostals that's an oxymoron if you've never been to Portland for the, for the record Portland Pentecostals he pastors one of the greatest churches, and in, in fact, we we preach for his father's church, Brother Hanson. We preach there more than any other church that that we minister at. We we go there every six months and do a couple weeks of revival. and And let me just say something about this family right here. This family is uh, they were born and raised there, and and if you don't know them, you need to get to know them because they are a force to be reckoned with in Baltimore. They they have been born and raised there and have an amazing family dynamic, have an amazing church dynamic. His parents built the church there from the ground up and have an apostolic revival church that is literally on the move, having people receive the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name all the time. That's why I love preaching there because there's hungry people there and they're constantly growing and constantly moving. and And he, I was there uh, through the process where uh, brother Hanson, uh, brother Anthony Hanson, was working a full full-time job, raising a family, trying to do full-time ministry. And finally, the church got to the place where they could hire him full-time. And not only did they bring him on full-time, but they, 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 uh, they had already made it known that he was going to be the next pastor of Portland Pentecostals. And just when it seemed like everything was worked out, they were at a conference and God shows up and just destroys everything. <laughs> when everything was paved out for them, God said, go to Baltimore. Where's Baltimore? They never even been to Baltimore. God said, go to Baltimore. We've never even visited Baltimore. God, they just brought me in on staff and they voted me in as the next pastor. And and I'm close to my family. And I've got a house. uh, We're paying for a house. They bought a house. uh, they, They got their roots planted and then God shows up. That's just how God is. The moment you get comfortable, God says, time to move. Because as long as you're operating where you're comfortable, you're not operating by faith. uh, And God can't use you uh, in his faith, in his anointing, uh, as long as you stay uh, under your capability. They didn't go on a 10-year plan. They didn't go through a 12-step process. When God said it's time to go, they submitted to his pastor, which just so happened to be his father, and said, God told me to go. His father, his pastor helped him make the way, and they started basing out of Brother Reaver's church. And now every week, they go into the roughest neighborhoods of downtown Baltimore, and they witness the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were late to church tonight because they were downtown Baltimore telling people, about Jesus I feel like that same spirit is in this place uh, that's trying to get some of you out of your comfort zone uh, and say if you would hear my voice uh, you would hear uh, that destiny that I've got for you Uh, the reason why you feel like there's more uh, but you're not doing Uh, it's because you haven't heard what thus saith the Lord Uh, we've got to hear his voice uh, and go uh, to the world just going to walk in the Holy Ghost for just a moment pastor Wright. y'all can sit down or run or roll whatever you feel to do I just going to walk in the Holy Ghost for a moment did you know Jesus never said go to church in fact Jesus said I want you to go to the opposition I want you to put yourself into a situation of suffering he said I want to position you in the face of persecution I want you to be a sheep where in the midst of wolves it's recorded in Matthew 10 and Luke 10. The scripture says, and Jesus sent them. Somebody say, he sent them. He didn't send them to church. He sent them to the world. And the word sent in the Greek is apostelos, where we get the term apostolic. So apostolic translates to the sent ones to the world. I'm not gonna get any amens right here, but it's true anyhow. You are not apostolic when you come to church, you are Pentecostal when you come to church and you receive what happened on the day of Pentecost. You are not apostolic when you are a sheep with other sheep. You are apostolic when you march to the gates of hell and say, Let me have my children, let my people go. You are apostolic when you you get out of the church and go to the world I feel we got some uprising apostolics in this place I feel we got some men and women that say I'm tired of just going to church I'm tired of just being saved I'm tired of sitting in the pew I want to be apostolic I want to turn my world upside down Sounds like you can take this a little bit further. Can you handle it? Got 50%. All right, sit down again. Did you know that Jesus never rejoiced over a saved saint going to the altar? Scripture says angels rejoice when a sinner repents. We don't do that. We wait till they get the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus name got the dress code ready to sing in the choir he says angels repent when they just say I'm sorry when does Jesus rejoice you ever do you know there's a scripture that says Jesus rejoiced it was just after Luke 10 in the same chapter when Jesus says I want you to go out as sheep in the midst of wolves he prophesies four miracles he says there you will there somebody say there yes. not here there Why don't the miracles happen here? He never prophesied they would happen here. He said they will happen there. He said when you are out there, you will heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, and cast out devils. There. We put all our eggs in one basket. And we hope, man, I hope a miracle happens here when God said the miracles take place there. It's okay. I I figured. So it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. The disciples plus 70 others come back rejoicing and said, God, you were right. We had revival. We didn't just have revival. The devils were subject to us in your name. They were rejoicing about the revival. He said, don't rejoice about this. He said, rejoice because your names have been written in heaven. The context was their feet being in the world. Your name being written in heaven has something to do with your feet going to the world and rescuing somebody else. He said, don't rejoice because you had revival. He said, rejoice because now that you have been reaching, reaching for revival. He said, that's something to rejoice about. And the scripture says, in that same hour. Jesus rejoiced. I get real excited when I see these men running the aisles. Most churches we go to, it's only the ladies that are spiritual. It's only the women that know how to pray. The men just sit there and they grumble and complain and wait till the next morning to get up at 4 a.m. to go fishing or hunting. I mean, men are just deadbeats in this hour. I told pastor, I said, I preached to a youth group of men on Friday night. And I said, you want me to tell you what the Holy Ghost wants wants you to hear? You're a bunch of punks. I said, because y'all are all filled with the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name, but not a one of y'all clap your hands. Not one of you pray. Not one of you get in the altar. Not one of you worship. Not one of you praise. That's how I preached on Friday night to a group of teenage boys and two first-time visitors got the Holy Ghost. I said, thank you, Jesus. Wasn't my preaching. Man, you're a bunch of punks. They came up and got the Holy Ghost. I said, man, I'm going to preach that one some more. (laughs) But I get excited when I see these men running the aisles. But imagine Jesus running the aisles. It says in that same hour, Jesus rejoiced. Why did he rejoice? Did he rejoice over the revival? No. He rejoiced because finally his saints got off the pew and went to the world. He rejoiced over the reach. In fact, he said, I'm rejoicing because God didn't give this word to the wise and prudent people. You know what prudent is? The careful, comfortable, cautious ones. He says, Father, you looked over the careful, the comfortable, and cautious, and you gave this word to babes. Babies. Which means They weren't developed yet. They didn't go through Pastor's 12-step program to a better disciple yet. They hadn't been in the church long enough to sing on the platform yet. They were just babies. But God said, I'd rather use somebody that can't hardly talk uh, than somebody that won't talk at all. Uh, I'd rather use somebody that can't hardly walk uh, than somebody that won't get up and praise. Uh, I'd rather use somebody. uh, I'd rather use somebody that's got the faith of a child uh, that say, come hell uh, or high. Water, uh, I'm going to do what the Lord uh, has told me. The reason why I feel I'm riding the Holy Ghost uh, is because every one of us, we feel like we're babies. Uh, we feel like we're not good enough. Uh, we feel like we're not worthy enough. Uh, we feel like we're not developed enough. Let me tell you the truth. You're not. You're not. But the scripture says... The scripture says unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Another scripture says, another scripture says that the fullness of the Godhead is bodily in him and we are complete where in him. So another revelation for tonight is this. When you feel incomplete, it's because you're not in him. When you feel like you can't do it, it's because you're not in him. But when you're in him and he is in you, you say, give me a soul. I pray for him. Give me somebody. I'll witness to him. Give me somebody. Sit down for just a moment. I feel in the Holy Ghost to tell you this. I've been evangelizing for nearly nine years. And we've seen over 15,000 people feel with the Holy Ghost in the last several years. But the first two and a half years, the first two and a half years of full-time evangelism, uh, uh, literally I got to travel overseas. I, I shouldn't have been traveling at all. Because in the first two and a half years of full-time evangelism, I did not preach one sermon out of the book of Acts. Full-time evangelist. Oh, and I was with the UPC, by the way. Not one sermon. You know why? Because I thought it's not going to happen through me. It's not going to be able to work through me. I've got too much past. Ah, I've got too much identity of yesterday. I've got too much stink from yesterday. I've got too much feel from yesterday. There's no way I could see people filled with the Holy Ghost. Longer story short, after two and a half years of traveling by myself, the Lord blessed me and said, It ain't good for man to be alone and gave me a wife. <laughs> That must have been what saved me right there. We got married and the next day we flew to Australia, not for a honeymoon, but for revival. In the next 11 weeks of marriage, we had 67 church services around the nation of Australia. When we said goodbye to Australia, we flew to Fiji and had us a honeymoon. We did preach there too, by the way. When you get to Fiji, they don't ask, do you want to preach? They say, how much do you want to preach? I said, just one time. I'm on my honeymoon, baby. Hey, in the second week, I was thinking about this today, in the second week, I talked about Australia this morning, in fact, in the second week that we were there, this was seven years ago, uh, the second week that we were there, I still wouldn't preach out of the book of Acts. Oh, I could preach some good ones out of a bunch of other books of the Bible. Couldn't preach out of the book of Acts because I knew the, it's, it's just that, that, that's not going to happen for me. You know, I wouldn't remember this if it wasn't for the grace of God because I didn't write this down. But I remember what I preached here uh, the last time I was here years ago on the Sunday night. And I don't remember the title and I don't remember the whole sermon. But I remember that the Lord began to move on me and the Holy Ghost. And I began to minister about the gift of faith that it's time for this church to go beyond understanding. And it's time for this church to go beyond your measure of faith because what god is calling you to do goes beyond your measure of faith god just brought that back to my recollection right now i remember that see you have a measure of faith god gave you that measure of faith it might be a four or five or six but what god is asking us to do in this hour is like a 25 and we say my faith doesn't measure up and god says i know Give me what you've got and I'll give you what I've got. The moment we say the gift of faith, all we can think about is the gifts of the Spirit, but we completely forget the fact that it's called a gift for a reason. A gift is something you didn't deserve. It's not a wage. The wages of sin is death. But a gift is something that you don't deserve. You didn't know about it. You don't. Be- it doesn't belong to you. But somebody goes out and purchases it, puts your name on it, and says, Here, the only thing you got to do at this point is open it up and receive it. Let me tell you something. Jesus purchased a gift for you with his own blood and a bunch of apostolic people think but the devil stole it from me that's a lie from hell how can the devil steal something that jesus purchased with his own blood he can't steal what god owns sit down i ain't preaching a sermon wouldn't lay hands on people that needed the Holy Ghost for the first two and a half years of full-time evangelism ministry. I preached the second week we were in Australia. A first-time visitor from the college ministry that they were doing. Uh, brother, oh my word. Mike, brother Mike, come on somebody. God's bringing stuff back to my memory tonight. It was campus ministry that brought this guy here to the service and he needed the Holy Ghost. Literally, for about 45 minutes... Everybody in the church prayed for him to receive the Holy Ghost. I didn't. I went and sat on the front pew. And I said these words in prayer. I said, God, it's just too bad. He's not getting the Holy Ghost tonight. He sought it so so diligently and he's not going to receive it. The Holy Ghost spoke to me like fire and said, Who do you think you are? You're nothing but a vessel. Go do what I've called you to do. Lay hands on him for these signs will follow them that believe. See, the problem was, is I believed in God, but I didn't believe God. Uh, I'm sorry. Too deep. See, you can believe in anything, but it takes a relationship to believe that thing. He said, I believe in God. The devil believes in God. See, the scripture says three times, and Abraham believed God, and it was accounted him righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Not because he believed in God. He believed. Anybody can believe in God. Scripture says these signs shall follow them that believe. Watch. The next word is in, but it's not believe in God. It's believe in my name. In my name. See, I was believing in, but I wasn't believing his name. And I walked up to this college student, first time visitor, and I asked the really smart question. Do you want the Holy Ghost? That's like asking somebody that's drowning. You got the life raft. Do you want to drown or do you want to live? We laugh. It's funny. But that's what we do with lost souls all the time. We think, ah, they don't want this. They're drowning. They want this. You just may not recognize it and they may not know it. And I said, do you want the Holy Ghost? He said, yes, I've been praying for a long time. I want the Holy Ghost. And I said, then when I lay my hand on you, you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues instantly. He lifted his hands after about 45 minutes of praying. I laid my hand on him and instantaneously he began to speak in other tongues, receiving the Holy Ghost. I went back to the hotel room that night, so convicted and torn up in my spirit. And I literally got between the wall and the bed and I laid on my face. I don't know how long. And I cried and I screamed in repentance and said, God, forgive me for wasting your name and wasting your death, burial, and resurrection. Forgive me for not believing it could happen now. See, I always believed it's going to happen one day, but I could not say this is day one. I believe right now. And I said, God, if you will forgive me for every soul I would not pray for out of fear. When I come out of this prayer, I will be the devil's worst nightmare. He will regret the day he ever messed with me. Every soul that needs the Holy Ghost, I will pray them through in your name. The next morning, Sunday morning, I went up to the pulpit to preach. And I had to peel apart the pages because they were so fresh. Never been opened. Acts 2.38. I peeled them apart. It smelled like a new car. I started reading. I preached for about 10 or 11 minutes. My eyes were closed the whole time. I'm starting reading. I said, and Peter, I'm stuttering through it. Said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ uh, for the remission of your sins. And you shall. It was so hard for me to say it uh, because I didn't fully believe it. Uh, I felt like the man that said, God, help me. uh, Help my unbelief. I believe a little bit, but help my unbelief. So I said, you shall receive the Holy Ghost. After about 10, 11 minutes of praying, people came to the altar and through a terrible, stuttering sermon But through a believing vessel, nine people received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues for the first time. From that moment... Until this day, God has allowed us to see over 15,000 people filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. The point is this. When you step into the dimension of right now faith, you realize that what I've gone through, this pressurized situation, what God has put me through, this valley of the shadow of death, this affliction, this tight place, the reason why everything that can be shaken is being shaken, the reason why I feel like something is squeezed, In me is because God's trying to reveal the power of the Holy Ghost that is within you. Just lift up your hands right now and pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm not done, but just pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Somebody just pray in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm just going to follow where I feel to go in the Holy Ghost. When I said the word passed, I was standing right here. I felt a witness in my spirit. Did you know that when the Israelites came out of Egypt, the work wasn't over yet for God? I don't have time. I wish I had that time, but I don't. God had already told Moses. He said, there's three reasons why I have to harden Pharaoh's heart and make this deliverance, this revival, this harvest difficult. He said, I want to multiply my miracles. See, when I make it harder, I have to do more miracles. When it's easy, you don't need a miracle. But when I make everything, oh man, when I make everything around you squeezing in, I've got to start doing more miracles. He told him in Exodus, I believe it's nine, he said, I want to multiply my signs, my wonders, my miracles. He said, Reason number two, he said, because when I bring you out, I want to do it with a great judgment, a great display of my salvation and judgment on the people. Number three, he said, The reason why I'm doing it like this is because. I want to reveal my name. Did you know that Moses complained? We talk about the church complaining, but Moses complained in Exodus chapter four. He did exactly what God told him to do. Brother Anthony Hansen, he went where God told him to go. He had his family and everything lined up. He, uh, he, he was the heir apparent to Jethro's throne. God said, all right, time to go. Go back to Egypt. What? He says, all right, fine, I'll go. Oh, my word. Did you know God called Moses to be a preacher? But Moses was too insecure to do what God had called him to do. He called him to preach. So he had to give him someone else, his brother, because Moses wouldn't do it. Did you know that? A head nod or something. I can't tell. Okay. You knew that. He was called to preach, but he wouldn't do it. So he says, fine, get your brother Aaron. I'll tell you what to say. You say it to Aaron and then Aaron will preach. He goes to Pharaoh and gives him the first sermon. Let my people go. Pharaoh spits in his face and says, I don't think so. In fact, I'm going to make their lives harder because you have disturbed me. Then Moses goes to God in Exodus at the end of Exodus 5 and says, God, what's your problem? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. At the end of Exodus 5, God, what's your problem? He said, I'm paraphrasing. He says, I did my part. I went to Pharaoh in your name. He said, but you didn't show up and do your part. In the next chapter, it's the same conversation. God responds to him and it says, and then the Lord spoke to Moses and said this. I'm the Lord. You missed it. Why didn't you do your part? I'm the Lord. You thought when I called you, I gave you sovereignty? No, I gave you ability, not sovereignty. I'm sorry. I gave you direction without the details. I'm sorry I told you, you're about to see the greatest revival, three million souls uh, with the greatest harvest, a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm sorry that I didn't expose to you the details I'm preaching. But if I give you details, it's no longer a walk of faith. It's a walk of understanding. And I don't show up when you walk in your knowledge and understanding. I show up when you say, I don't have a clue how this is going to happen. But here I go anyway. I show up when you say, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how we're going to have revival. I don't know how we're going to have a breakthrough. But I'm going to have a breakthrough anyhow. sit down in the same verse that God declares I'm the Lord go read it in Exodus 6 homework he says Moses Moses did you know keep on going boys mama give them some candy keep them going baby did you know when he says I am the Lord Then he tells him, Moses, let me me give you a little secret. The patriarch fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you remember them from Sunday school? They didn't know my name. All they knew was El Shaddai. (laughs) He said, they didn't know my name. He said, but you, you know my name. Okay, I got to explain it. Moses shows up and says, why didn't you do it like I thought you were going to do it? And God shows up and says, I'm sorry, but is my name not enough for you? You've been saying, man, I wish I could be like Abraham, the father of many nations. I wish I could be like Isaac, the chosen promised son, who was supposed to be dead, but God resurrected him as a type of Christ. I wish I, uh, <laughs> I wish I could be like Jacob, the one who was blessed. I wish I could, ah, uh, I, I, Moses, you thought, I wish I could have been like them and my elders. But here's a little something you didn't know, Moses. I didn't bless them with the knowledge and understanding and revelation of my name. They only knew me as El Shaddai, but they didn't know me as Jehovah, Yahweh. But I have given you my name. Is my name enough for you or not? Or do I have to perform for you? Do I have to live up to your expectation? Or do you have a faith inside of you that says, hey, he may not have done it yet, but I still got the name. Pharaoh might be spitting in my face, but I still got the name. I might be running the aisles in a wheelchair, but I still got the name. I might be on a ventilator, but I still got the name. I might be losing my mind, but I still got the name. I got the name. I got the name. Somebody just start shouting, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus." You got the name, baby. You got the name. You may not have been healed yet, but you still got the name. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Sit down. Woo. Woo they get to the Red Sea. Moses hasn't preached yet. Ten plagues. Watch this now. He's already multiplied his miracles. He's already put judgment on the Egyptians with the death of the firstborn, but he hadn't revealed his name yet. Guess where he wants to do it at? The Red Sea. Baptism. And guess where he wants to reveal the gifting of Moses at baptism? They get to the Red Sea. They say, Man, let's get a little tan while we're here. Everything they had it made in the shade, drinking lemonade, and still they start started hearing foo, 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 foo. Uh oh. Put your suntanning oil up, fold up your towels, get your floaties off. We got a problem. <laughs> Moses looks up and says, oh, they're coming for us. I thought we were delivered. No, no, you haven't been through baptism yet. You've you, you only been brought out. You haven't been brought to yet. Moses is now pressured on the left and right with mountains, pressured on the front with an ocean, pressured on behind with a marching enemy, pressured all around with a complaining church. Oh, help us, Lord. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't feel that spirit here. <laughs> Ain't got to preach that tonight. He is pressured from everyone and everything around him. And all of a sudden he says, I think it's time to preach. His church is literally telling him, what is your problem? You haven't heard from God. We'd rather be a servant, a slave in Egypt than a dead corpse in the wilderness. Moses says, step aside. It's time to preach. The pressure brought the preach out of him. He stands up and says, see, any rookie preacher... Always says the obvious. Stand still. Good one. We can't go anywhere. Just be still. Maybe he was saying don't backslide yet. Don't go back to Egypt yet. Stand still. Hold your peace. Watch this now. Here comes that now thing I'm feeling. He says stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He says for the Egyptians you see today you will no more see them again forever. Wait, wait. In verse 15, he goes up to God and says, "Okay, God, I just preached and prophesied. What you going to do?" God looks at him and says, "Moses, why are you crying to me about this? Go tell them to go forward." In other words, I, I, I read it like this: God saying, "Moses, you don't have to cry to me about this anymore. You now have what it takes. You've released the gifting that was in you the whole time. Now that you have hasharabah, now that you have released the gifting from within you, all you got to do is go speak to the opposition, the impossibility." of the opposition he's looking at an ocean a a sea a dead end he stands up and God says I want you to stretch forth that hand that turned leprous and that rod that turned into a snake and I want you to say go forward (laughs) the moment that Moses relinquished his hand and his rod and prophesied and said go forward The waters began to divide. And in Psalm 77. David says. Under the Red Sea. Was a pathway. That was there the whole time. And no one knew it was there. Brother Wright. I have a prophecy for you. That when you speak under the anointing of what thus saith the Lord with every ounce of gifting that is inside of you without fear, hesitation anxiety or doubt God is going to reveal the pathway of the miraculous through this opposition that's been there the whole time, it's already there, the pathway is already there, the miraculous is already there but God has put you through a pressure, he's put you through through a tight place uh, to reveal the anointing on the inside Uh, I say it's time to release the anointing Uh, it's time to let out uh, the gifting from within I want you to stand to your feet right now When you go and read Exodus 14 and 15, you find one of the greatest revelations of Scripture. I, I've never preached. I've never talked about the revelation of pressure before. But the Scripture says that God provoked the enemy to go after them into the Red Sea. Baptism. Somebody say, big mistake. The devil better not try to get me through baptism. Baptism. That's a big, go ahead and try to get me through the blood. The scripture says that the soldiers got on their horses and chariots and went after them into the Red Sea. The church's baptism. And when they got in the middle of the pressure. Into the middle of the miracle. You go read this for yourself. I don't have this in my notes. This is so far from stuff here. But the scripture says that the moment they got in to the pathway of the Red Sea, God took off their chariot wheels. The first thing he did, he said, you can't go through this, baby. You can't go through baptism. I, I provoked you to try to go after them, but I'm revealing to my church, the enemy can't get you through baptism. Wait, wait, wait. When they get there and he takes the chariot wheels off, revealing, uh uh-uh, this is as far as you go. There's a line right here and you can't go through that line. The Egyptians, somebody say the Egyptians, say the enemy. The enemy got the revelation of the name. When you read it in the King James, it says that then they saw the face of God. And they said, we got to get out of here for the Lord. In in King James, it's capital L-O-R-D. For the Lord fights for them. That word Lord is literally Yahweh, Jehovah, the name of God. Wait a second. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob never knew the name. But when the enemy tried to go through baptism, they saw the name of God. And declared the name of God. And then God said. Now I can finish my work. He brought the pressure of the water. And it was in the middle of that pressure. Where the enemy of his church said. I know the name. For the name of God. Fights for his people. Here's what you need to know tonight. And I'm sorry, I went for 51 minutes. I thought I was going to go for five minutes. But here's what the Lord wants you to understand with this whole engaged stuff. When you get on the other side of baptism, the only one that can stop us is us. The enemy was defeated. Oh, but they had enemies in front of them. You call that an enemy when they could walk around their nation and just ah, and the whole nation is destroyed. That don't sound like an enemy to me. The only time someone there, or their foe or opposition destroyed them is when they doubted themselves and doubted God. The moment they got, uh, the moment they got to the other side of the Red Sea. Their enemy didn't even exist anymore. All right. You ready? Isaiah 43. Some of you know the scripture, but watch the revelation that the Lord wants you to have tonight. In Isaiah 43 and 15, God says to his people, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh the way where? I make a way in the middle of the opposition and a path where in the mighty waters he's reflecting the prophet. That's what prophets do. They forecast the future by reflecting the past. He says in verse 17, I bring forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power, your enemy. They shall lie down together. They shall not. They ain't getting back up. Watch this: they are extinct. They're not broken. They're not confused. they don't exist anymore. They are quenched as tow. That's why in verse 18, he says, "Remember ye not the what? The former things. Forget your past." Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Why are you letting your present momentum being a, be held hostage by your past failures? He says, forget the former things. Forget the enemy of yesterday. Watch. Verse 19, behold, I will do a new thing. Somebody shout win. He says now. It shall. Somebody say it shall. It shall spring forth. So listen to this. The, re- the variable is not what God is about to do and he is doing now. It says, it shall spring forth. Here's the question. Shall ye not know it? I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. I will pour out of my spirit in those days upon your handmaidens and your servants. He says, I will do a new thing right now. The question is, will you see it or not? Will you recognize it or not? Notice what he says, Pastor Wright. This is the new thing I feel in the prophetic anointing of the Holy Ghost right now. He says, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What does that mean, Antioch? He said, I'm reaching in places that you never thought I could go. That family that hasn't responded to you That family that hasn't come back That family that has closed their door in your face Time and time again uh, That neighborhood that you thought was unreachable That life that you thought was untouchable uh, That person that you thought was too far God said look out Uh, I'm doing a new thing Uh, I'm not just reaching for the conservative Uh, I'm not just reaching for the righteous Uh, I'm not just reaching for I'm I'm not just reaching For a few people anymore. I'm reaching for everybody, 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 everybody. That's why in verse 21, God prophesies about the people that he's reaching for and says, this people have I formed for myself. Uh, They shall show forth my praise. I got a really good revelation for you and when you get it, you're going to show it. The revelation is is God was prophesying about the Gentile nation. He was saying, I'm doing a new thing. I'm not just going to reach for the Jewish people. I'm going to go into the streams and deserts and wilderness and barren place. He said, because I formed them for myself. They're going to show forth my praise. They're going to out praise you. They're going to out dance you. They're going to out shout you. They're going to praise me. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. He said, I'll reach into the mountains. I'll flow into the lowest valleys because I've got a Gentile church that's about to praise me. I'll tell you what i hear right now i tell you what i feel right now i feel gifts i feel tongues and interpretation being imparted to somebody right now not for you to speak right now but for you to receive it i feel it right now i feel the gift of faith being imparted right now i feel the gifts of healing being imparted right now i can feel it in my soul the gifts of the spirit Let me tell you what I started to tell you 45 minutes ago. I got sidetracked for about 45 minutes. At Pastor Hanson's church, we had revival just six months ago, going back in two weeks. It was in the middle of Portland, Oregon shutdown. Y'all hadn't seen a shutdown and you haven't been to Portland, Oregon. But they're having church. We had a healing service, Holy Ghost service, all sorts of things were happening. One guy over here gets healed. He had messed up discs in his back. He couldn't stand up straight when he came to church. Hobbled his way up to the altar. All of a sudden healed, stood straight up. He got Pastor Hansen's attention. All of a sudden, Pastor Hansen's the sweetest guy. But he walks up there. He says, who laid hands on this man? Well, during COVID shutdown, social distancing era, nobody wanted to confess who laid hands on this man? All of a sudden, a guy sitting on the back row. who I, I've i been preaching there for six years, and I barely recognize this guy because he just kind of blends in with the crowd and literally sitting on that back row. Uh, I, I did, pastor. I'm sorry, did I do something wrong? Get up here. <laughs> Have you ever laid hands on someone that was sick and they got healed? No, sir. Well, when you laid hands on this man, All of a sudden he said there was a heat and energy that came out of your hand into his back. He said every disc went in place. Every muscle spasm stopped. He stood straight up and he's completely healed right now. For the remainder of that revival... Anytime somebody came up to me and said, Brother Green, I need healing. I've got this. I've got that. I went and got that saint on the back row and said, you get up here and lay hands on this person because God has revealed a gifting inside of you. Release it right now. I don't want anybody clapping your hands for the rest of this service. I want you to lift up your hands right now. And I want you to close your eyes. I feel the gift of faith upon me right now. I want you to just listen as your hands are lifted and eyes are closed. I want you to hear this preacher. I want you to hear me. I'm about to pray the prayer of faith over this congregation. And when I say in the name of Jesus... The gifting that's already inside of you is going to surface like rivers of living water springing out. And if you will act instantaneously upon the first voice you hear in your spirit, God will allow that gift to become residential. It will be a resident gift in you that you will be able to operate in as long as you are submitted to God and to your pastor. When I say in the name of Jesus, the very first voice you hear that says to do something, it may be go lay hands on this person, go prophesy to that person, go do this, go roll on the floor, go run around the building, go do this. The first voice you hear, if you will act instantaneously without fear and hesitation, that gift will become a resident gift for you and your walk with God by the authority of the word of God by the power of your holy name I release you God to move upon us tonight I invite you God to move upon us like never before I pray for the faith and courage for us to act instantaneously obeying your voice tonight in the name of Jesus Go! 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 Now! The gift of the Holy Ghost is in operation. The gift of the Holy Ghost is moving. If you did not hear from God right now, I just want you to move by faith. I want you to step out by faith and act according to your own faith. Act according to your own faith right now. Somebody operate in your faith until it becomes God's faith. Somebody operate in your faith until it becomes the gift of faith. That's it. Come on. You're blood washed. You're baptized. The enemy can't stop you. Your past can't deny you. You are blood washed in the name of Jesus. You have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Go forward. Go forward. Go forward. Go forward. Healing is taking place right now. Healing is taking place all over this church. Deliverance is taking place right now. Yes, there's direction. There is divine direction going out right now. Oh, the Lord has shown you the open door to go into the world, to reach beyond yourself. Go right now. There's a sovereign move of God in this place. Come on, somebody seek it. Come on, somebody understand tonight that it's because you have prayed, you have fasted, you have sought God. The scripture says that God is a rewarder to them who diligently seek Him. God is a rewarder to those who Diligently seek him. You have diligently sought the Lord because of your affliction. You have sought him early. You have sought him late. You have sought him with radical sacrifice, radical submission, radical faith. You have engaged in your prayer. You have engaged in your walk with God. God is rewarding this church. God is honoring this church. God is responding to this church. There is something springing forth right now that will never die. There's something springing forth in this church tonight that will never die. Somebody reach for it. Somebody reach for it.